0: That's twenty percent off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code Staple20. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best sixty-four snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty, or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Drag Drag up that diesel. trying to find running right room, and he's still on his feet. Dead hole. He's got the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. What's good? Welcome to the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. A third consecutive Loser Monday podcast, gloomy Monday, whatever the hell we were going to call it. Three straight losses for the Washington football team. We got a lot to break down. We will talk about uh, some of the positives because I did think there was a good amount of positive that we saw. I hate I hate moral victories, but let's be honest. We're kind of at the point as a team where moral victories are something we can have, something we can live with, and I did think there were a, a bunch of moral victories. We'll get into some of the bad stuff, specifically on the defense, we will talk about our guy, Riverboat Ron Rivera. And then, of course, Gibson, Terry, their performances because they were spectacular. But we will start, you see the title. We'll start with our quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, who had a degree of pressure on him today that I was almost kind of surprised with. Not really, though. It's like It was very weird, right? I, I saw this news break. Ian Rappaport was the first person that I saw tweeted. Maybe you saw somebody else, but Rappaport was the first person that I saw tweeted about this pressure that was on the shoulders of Dwayne Haskins, about how he has to play better or he's going to get benched. And this tweet came on Sunday morning, which is why it threw me off. Because we've been talking about this for a week now. Like, Ron Rivera actually came out and said, last week, today, on a Monday, like last Monday, we talked about Ron Rivera's comments on last week's podcast after the Cleveland Browns game. And now they're selling this on a Sunday morning like this is this breaking news. Like this is a leak from the organization. Like they're trying to twist it. I thought we were done with this stuff. I mean, I thought that was all the last regime thing. So I was not a huge fan of of the way that that news story came about. I thought that was stupid. Now, I can take a little bit of solace in knowing that Dwayne Haskins probably wasn't reading these tweets. So, I guess that makes me a little happy. You know, he's reading the tweets throughout the course of the week. He can say that he's not, but li- listen, you spend enough time around athletes, they will tell you. We actually do hear and read some of the news. Like, that, that's a thing that actually does go on. They will tell you, oh, we're blocking out the noise. They're seeing and they're hearing the noise. So, I'm sure that Dwayne Haskins read the local reports, you know, when Ron Rivera said it on Monday... And I doubt he read anything on the Sunday morning. I just thought that was very strange the way that that leaked. That, that reminded me way too much of like a Bruce Allen, Jay Gruden type of organizational culture here. Framing that as a leak and making this some, some massive thing. But I will say about the actual play of Dwayne Haskins. It was better. It wasn't perfect. But it was better. And that's kind of what we're going for with the guy. We are not expecting him to make all of the, the changes immediately from week to week. I'm not expecting this dude to come out and be Patrick Mahomes, come out and be Russell Wilson. That's just unrealistic. But what I did want to see is limiting the turnovers. Limiting eyeing down your wide receivers to where you allow a Cleveland secondary, which isn't even a fantastic secondary, they're just a secondary, to have a field day with you. And we didn't see that. And Baltimore's defense is much better than Cleveland's defense. I will go on record saying that. I think Baltimore has a lot of pieces defensively. And I have said on this podcast, as well as all the other stuff that I do, Baltimore was my Super Bowl pick. So I really like the Baltimore Ravens. But Dwayne Haskins didn't turn the ball over. Now, he was a little bit more cautious. So that's kind of where the catch-22 comes, right? He... He's not turning the ball over. He's making better decisions, but he also wasn't forcing the ball down the field. Or not even forcing. He wasn't throwing the ball down the field. The perfect example of that was the fourth down play. That fourth and goal from about the 14, 13, wherever the hell we actually were, and you throw a three-yard little pass to the nine-yard line. That is something that cannot happen. And that's why I say not perfect. He was better than what he was last week against Cleveland. I mean, you can just read the box score and pick that up. Now, I'm not a box score reader. I know a lot of you. You watch the football game. You're not a box score reader. I mean, we do read the box score, but you get what I'm saying. You don't live in the box score. You actually watch the football games. And that play is not something that shows up in the box score. But we watched that play, and I was scratching my eyes out. I'm like, what are you doing? How are you in a fourth and goal 14 yards away from the end zone and you're throwing a three-yard route? I mean, Isaiah Wright is a great wide receiver. I, I, I've enjoyed seeing Wright get more action with the team, with the units. I like seeing him. I think he has stepped up over the past few weeks. But you can't throw it to the nine-yard line and expect him to do the rest of the work there. That's a, that's a play where you have to put the ball into the end zone somehow. An absolute worst-case scenario, it gets picked off and they get a touchback. Whatever. You don't want that to happen, certainly. But I can kind of live with that if you are forcing it into the end zone. If you are making a play to score, because at that point in time, I don't want to say the game was still realistically in reach, but it, it kind of was. I still don't think that would have made any impact on the actual result of the game, but it would have put you in a different situation. And Ron Rivera was on record saying, you know, I wanted to test the situational awareness there. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Dwayne Haskins knew that was a test. I hope he knew that wasn't a test. Or I hope he did not know it was a test. Because if he knew it was a test and he still decided to throw that little dinky dunker out, that's a problem. But I do kind of, in a weird way, and this is, this is why I fall back on the moral victory thing, right? This is why because if your head coach is openly saying I was testing my quarterback by going forward on fourth and goal from the 14 yard line. We are in the position for moral victories despite the fact that we are I guess now technically in second place in the NFC East because Philadelphia won last night and they have that stupid tie ties suck ties are so stupid that aside we're technically second in the NFC East. I don't know if anyone actually thinks that we will win the division If you do think we're going to win the division, I mean, kudos to you. I'd love to live inside your optimistic brain for a day or two. But we're not winning the division. We know that. So we are very much about these moral victories. And to Ron Rivera's credit, I guess kind of being open about that is cool. You know, it's been very clear that Ron Rivera is not hiding things. And we talked about the timeout usage. Although it was nice to actually see him utilize the timeouts this week. But it's very clear as a coach, he's not hiding things. And he's not afraid to say things in front of a microphone, which I think is good and bad. But so far, it has been more good than bad. right? He's not saying anything that's just completely outlandish. He's not saying anything that's going to uh, ridiculously stunt the growth of Dwayne Haskins. And he's also not being passive-aggressive and petty, which the uh, pass regime could not say that. I just wish that he threw the ball in the end zone for that play. But regardless, other, other aspects of his game, that deep ball to Terry McLaurin was awesome. I just, it would be very, very nice if they decided to call that play, not when they're down 18 points in the fourth quarter. Like, can we open up the game by trying to take the top off the defense? And I know there was the one play to Terry McLaurin earlier in the game, which really shouldn't have been thrown. Uh, Terry was covered, and it didn't look like him and Dwayne were on the same page. And Dwayne also didn't really let the uh, uh, the play come to him. He didn't let the route mature. So I, I, didn't, I didn't like that first deep ball that he threw early in the game. But the, the second one was great. I mean, it was the best throw that Dwayne Haskins ha- has made in his professional career. I, I want to see that more often, though. I mean, that, that's my biggest takeaway from this game, is that Dwayne was smarter with the football, but he wasn't taking as many risks. And a part of that does scare me, because at a certain point in time, to mature as a quarterback, and he's still young, so I, I still give him a lot of time to, to recognize this, and I'm sure he'll watch the game film this week, and he'll be able to point out certain things, that, oh, I should have put the ball here on this play, I should have done this on this play. But I want to see him throw the ball down the field. And my fear is that he is frightened of turning the ball over because of this mounting pressure that, hey, your job might be, might not be your job for very long if you keep making these turnovers. My fear is that he is not going to to throw the ball down the field in order to save the turnovers. And there's a very fine line in between that sort of decision-making, I feel like. Because I feel like as a good quarterback, you have to be able to to trust your abilities, and you have to be able to to fit the ball in the tight windows. It shouldn't be something that you seek out. Like, you should not be trying to prove, like, oh, this dude's triple covered. Let me show you how strong my arm is, zip. That's not something you want to do on a regular basis, but you have to push the ball down the field in order for this offense to be successful. They did a lot more screens this week, which obviously worked for Antonio Gibson, who was awesome. They did a lot more of the shorter routes, and they allowed their guys to get in space, but I want to see more you know, deep ends, you know, post routes, things of that nature. Let the guy loosen his, his arm up. We keep saying that we want to see what Dwayne Haskins is about. Well, in order to fully see what he is about, you have to let him actually utilize the gifts that we've been told he has. I mean, how long do we have to hear about this dude's rocket arm before we actually see it on a regular basis? Obviously it's there. We saw the throw to Terry McLaurin. Obviously there's something there in that arm. Give us more of that. Let us see this on a more consistent basis. And then maybe just maybe this offense will really start to kind of one, find an identity, and then get into some form of a rhythm. The play calling was better this week for sure. It was stuff that Dwayne was more comfortable with. It was a lot simpler. A little bit more wrinkles in terms of motion at the line of scrimmage, but it was a much more simpler game called from a play-calling perspective, which I don't think is a problem because it worked. Our offense moved the ball against a a pretty good defense in the Baltimore Ravens. So I was pleased with with that general aspect of it. It's just, again, the accuracy issues are still there. He missed a couple check-down routes that are like three yards away, and you have to hit those but we have seen other quarterbacks who are quote unquote great that will struggle with those so that eventually hopefully will come but you just can't be afraid to push the ball down the field you have to be able to to let the arm loose and just straight up sling the damn thing and from a play calling perspective like get the ball down the, like get some bombs out man like let's just see it like let the let the boy let the boy throw the ball let it loose the offensive line I thought did a really good job by the way. I mean kudos to them. They've been they've been kind of getting a bit of a groove here. That that is not going unnoticed. I want them I want them to know that. That's not going unnoticed. I thought I thought they did a much better job because again, I do like Baltimore's defense. I think they have a nice group there and they were able to do a really good job protecting Dwayne Haskins. Now Dwayne did take some terrible sacks. I mean just some absolutely terrible sacks. You got to learn how to throw the ball away. Like you have to learn how to throw the ball away. You can't take what was it, like an 18 yard sack when we were in field goal position. Oh, that sucked. That's su- that was a bad play. That was a terrible play. That was the worst play that Dwayne Haskins made all game. It was worse than that. Um, in that fourth and goal throw. That sack that he took to knock us out of field goal position was terrible. That stuff has to change. He needs to be better with that. They need to get on him about that. Don't be afraid to throw the football away. Don't try and be Superman. Sometimes you literally just have to get on to the next play. Throw the ball away. Don't get intentional grounding. But throw the ball away and don't take that massive sack that knocks you out of field goal range. That's like classic rookie mistake 101 and I was watching it and I wanted to scream. I I don't scream at games anymore because I talk for a living and it's bad for your throat. But I wanted to scream because that sack sucked. It was really, really bad. On to a bit more of the positives that we saw from the game. It took us four weeks, but the offense finally decided, Scott Turner finally decided, let's see what Antonio Gibson can do when we put the ball in his hands in space. And he was rewarded for that line of thinking, and Antonio Gibson proved this guy is going to be a major player for our offense moving forward because Antonio Gibson is a stud. That dude is awesome. Get that ball in in his hands, in space, as often as you possibly can. He's a great runner. He has fantastic speed, great vision, and he's huge. He's not an easy guy to tackle. I loved what they did with Antonio Gibson. He had a nice day running the football, but it really was his pass-catching ability that I thought helped this offense move significantly better than we had seen them move before. Because for the first time in four weeks, Terry McLaurin was not the only option offensively that the defense had to be aware of. Because it felt like in the first three games, it was Terry McLaurin and everybody else. Well, now it was finally Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, and then everybody else. But those two guys are great football players. And as we are in the process of this rebuild, trying to to become kind of that next up-and-coming team that gets it right in a way, like we almost kind of want to be the next Buffalo Bills, which two years ago would have sounded terrible, but when you look at what Buffalo is doing, they had a young quarterback that people didn't believe in, and all of a sudden, after they stuck with that young quarterback, he is proving them right. Because Josh Allen is fantastic and they have a bunch of young guys on offense and they finally got set. But you get the idea. Buffalo was a team that a lot of people doubted for a very long time. And then all of a sudden it just started working because they stayed true to the process. That's kind of what we want to do here. A lot of people don't like Dwayne Haskins. A lot of people have some question marks with some of the guys that we have on offense. But we know for sure we have Terry McLaurin who is a stud. And now we know that Antonio Gibson is a stud. I had seen his college highlights You had seen his college highlights. We'd heard great things about him in training camp. We recognized that Adrian Peterson largely got cut because they really liked Antonio Gibson. Well, now they finally put the ball in his hands in a position where he can showcase, oh, this is why the team liked him. This is why they cut the first ballot Hall of Famer. Because this dude is awesome. My only issue, and this is minimal, but it's going to be a reoccurring thing if it doesn't change, Take the offensive pass plays that you run for J.D. McKissick, who got thrown to eight times yesterday, while Gibson got thrown to five times. So McKissick got eight targets, Gibson got five targets. Swap those numbers. Swap them. Not only did McKissick fumble, which sucked, and that led to Baltimore's first touchdown, which kind of got them rolling offensively, but Gibson is just better. Like, he's just, he's just better. Put the ball in his hands more. I don't care if he's young. What do we do? We're not rewarding you for, for veteran experience here. Put the ball in the hands of the guys that are going to do the best things with the football. And Gibson, right now, is better than McKissick at making plays in space with the football in his hands. So swap those numbers. Gibson should be touching the ball, at least, at the very least, twenty times per game. Now you can split that however which way that you want to, whether that be carries, you know, ten carries, ten receptions, whether that be fifteen carries, eight receptions. He should not get thrown to less than five times in a game. Like that, that sh- that should be the cutoff for him. He should be thrown to more than five times every single game. I'd like that number to be around 7-10. to I want him to get 7-10 to targets. I want Terry McLaurin to get well over 10 every single game. And then you can kind of just filter in the rest as you go. I thought Logan Thomas did have a play uh, that was pretty important on one of the... Picking up a big first down. Um, So, like, I like using Logan Thomas in that way. He should not be the guy that Dwayne relies on. But I think Logan Thomas as an option is fine. Because he does have decent hands, he's huge, big target, and he can make the plays in a very small, uh, small bursts, we'll say. So I like to use, utilizing Logan Thomas that way. But in terms of Antonio Gibson, get him the ball as often as you can. And then you have your one-two punch. You still need another wide receiver, yes. You know, I think entering the season, we, we maybe haven't touched on this uh, enough, but that that second wide receiver was supposed to be Kelvin Harmon. I was excited to see Kelvin Harmon play football again this year. And then, of course, that injury uh, kind of ripped that away. But I do think that once Kelvin Harmon comes back, we that might be the guy. At least from what I've seen so far, there's still a lot of football left to be played this year. I like, I like Wright. I think he's played well. But so far, this is that second wide receiver spot is 100% Kelvin Harmon's job. When he returns from injury. That's what I've seen through four weeks. And then the final really good thing on offense. Is Terry McLaurin. Uh, surprise. Surprise. 118 yards for him. He's awesome. He's, he's just the best player on the field. At all times. The throw and catch. That lob. That, uh, that big bomb. Was fantastic. Terry McLaurin did a great job getting under it. Dwayne Haskins did a great job throwing it. I want to see much more of that. That explosiveness. That taking the top off the defense. And... As I mentioned earlier, how about we do that when we're not down 18 points in the fourth quarter? What an idea that would be. Actually looking for explosive plays when you're not down three scores. Crazy, right? But Terry McLaurin is awesome. He is so good. He does what he does every single week. And for the fourth consecutive week, no one has stopped him. Baltimore had two really great corners. I think Marlon Humphrey is awesome. I think Marcus Peters is a ball-hawking awesome cornerback. No one can stop Terry McLaurin. No one. And don't you forget like get him the ball as much as you can. There's no there's no reasonable explanation if Terry McLaurin stays healthy. And he wasn't even really healthy this week. He had barely practiced all week and he still pops off for 118 yards against Baltimore. There is no reason why this dude should not be flirting with Santana Moss's record for receiving yards in a season. And if we're just being honest, like he might actually break it. If the offense tries to get him the football, he will break that record this year. They just have to be smart enough to get him the football. They just have to be smart enough to let Dwayne Haskins throw the ball deep and find Terry McLaurin, and he will break Santana Moss's record. All right, let's get now to uh to some of the bad. Somehow on a gloomy Monday podcast. It took us almost over 20 minutes to get into the bad things. But the bad things are the tackling. And the bad things are covering tight ends. It almost all almost all the bad revolves around the safeties. Troy Apie still not anything exceptional, but this 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 game this game was more about Landon Collins he was not great he was not great at all and the effort of fairness and not just crushing Apke every single week if we're gonna crush Apke we have to crush Collins who's getting paid a lot more money who at one point said that he wanted to wear 21 in honor of Sean Taylor oh you think he wishes he didn't say that publicly you think he does? I, I hope he does. Because I do like Landon Collins. I think he's a good safety. But the more I watch him play, the more I just, that comment just like, oh, it grinds my gears. Like, there's no way you thought you were qualified to wear Sean Taylor's number. I mean, come on. Come on. Bad pursuit angles, missed tackles, miscommunication in the second. I mean, this stuff has to change. You are way too good. You are getting paid way too much money to be making these silly mistakes. And you wanted to wear 21 here in D.C. Come on, bro. Come on. You got to earn that number. Well, first of all, he shouldn't. I mean, he just shouldn't ever wear that number. But in a hypothetical world where that was a possibility, you got to earn it and you are not earning it. Not with a performance like that. Leddit has made some good plays this year. That interception that he had against Arizona was fantastic. Like, those are the sorts of plays that are like, all right, this guy, this is the guy we paid for. But that Lamar Jackson touchdown run, and I understand Lamar Jackson, hell of an athlete, right? Like, he's going to do that to a lot of teams for a very long time. But the pursuit angles on that were just atrocious. I mean, they were just terrible. That has to be better. That has to, as the safety, you are the last line of defense. The quarterback should not just be kind of jogging down. I mean, Lamar Jackson was jogging, but you get the the idea. He's just going untouched down the field. you got to put a body. If Lamar Jackson is going to run, and this is not just Lamar Jackson, this is any quarterback. If any quarterback is going to get to the second level of that defense, our defense, he better feel it. Like you better put the wood on that dude if he gets into the second level of the defense. If he wants a big-time play, make him earn it and make him get off the ground and say, damn, that hurt. I'm probably not going to do that again. That's what that should look like. Not a 50-yard touchdown. I'm so glad. I am so glad there was no spin move in there. Because that touchdown was longer than that super viral touchdown that Lamar Jackson had against Cincinnati last year when he put the spin move on whoever the defender was. I am so glad there was no spin move here, and this was just kind of a walk in the park for Lamar Jackson. Because if there was a spin move, if there was a stiff arm, if there was a juke, that would have been the number one play. It would have been the number one play. It would have been like, oh, here Lamar Jackson goes again. But thankfully, he just kind of waltzed to the end zone untouched. But the defense, the safeties have to be better. I thought the, I mean, Kendall Fuller, it was great to see him. That was awesome. Uh shout out to Robert Griffin for providing me a little bit of closure. Loved that. Thank you, Rob. But the safeties have to be significantly better. And that was defensively, the safeties and a bit of the linebackers. I mean, that one Mark Andrews touchdown. I I, I just I just don't know what Troy Apke was doing there. Like he's, he he sees Andrew go to the corner of the end zone. I, I just I just I don't really know what he was doing there. I hate I hate consistently seeing linebackers like twenty yards down the field covering a tight end. That should be the safety's job. Uh, so I didn't like I didn't like that, and I do think that responsibility, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, I'm open to being corrected here. But that responsibility is Troy Apke. You see the tight end go into the corner of the end zone, get over there, and stop that from happening. I should not just see you coming into frame as the ball gets into the hands of Andrews. I mean, that's unacceptable play, right? Like That stuff has to be changed. It has to be changed. Other than that, I didn't think the defense played exceptionally bad. The front seven, still good, despite the fact Chase Young was not there. It looked like Chase Young wanted to play. I wanted to see Chase Young versus Lamar Jackson because I do think that Chase Young would have gotten to Lamar Jackson. It's just unfortunate because uh, he wasn't. So hopefully Chase Young comes back soon because I don't know how how much longer I can see Chase Young just standing on the sidelines. That that hurts my soul just a little bit. So uh, I I want Chase Young back as absolutely soon as possible. All right, final thing here. Uh, This has gone way longer than I anticipated it would, but hell, we got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, The final thing here is going to be revolving around Ron Rivera, who... From the outside looking in, without a doubt, had his worst day yesterday from a health perspective and a health standpoint. I I have no idea the actual toll that cancer treatment takes on a human body. Like, none at all. I, unfortunately, know people who have passed away from cancer. I know people who have had cancer. But I, I like me personally, I have no idea the physical toll this sort of thing takes on another human being's body. Obviously, I know that Ron Rivera is hurting. You know that. I mean, you If you have eyes, you can see that Ron Rivera is hurting right now. It it was weird seeing him sit on the bench during timeouts because that's just not what Ron Rivera has been. So that's thats the glimpse inside of what this man is actually doing because we know the guy loves football. like He lives and breathes football. So to see him just sitting on the bench, kind of taking a break, kind of chilling, taking a little bit of a rest... Uh, It's great for him, and it's great for the team that they're like, all right, we are comfortable with you doing this. It's great for Ron Rivera saying, I need to understand my body, and I'm okay with just kind of taking a seat on the bench to get myself right. I know he's hydrating throughout the course of the game. We got the IV bags going. So that's good to see, but it it is kind of weird just to see a man hurting the way that he is. Now, with all of that said, I am and always will be a pretty firm believer in, in allowing uh, adult human beings to make their own decisions when it comes to something like this. Like I do not think that uh, Dan Snyder should be have any say, really, in, in whether or not Ron Rivera wants to coach. If Ron Rivera wants to be on the sidelines, Ron Rivera should be on those sidelines. I think it should be up to him. I think it should be up to his family and the people that he uh, holds in his inner circle. Those are the ones that should have any sort of real input on that decision, and I will stand with Ron Rivera in whatever decision that he does makes. But I do just, I mean, it was just moderately uncomfortable, right? And my guess is that if this was the bad week, just on what I do know about cancer treatment, eventually it will get kind of worse than this. So I'm not anticipating that Rivera is going to be able to coach all 16 games this year. That just, that just I don't feel like that's realistic. I hope that it is. Like, I mean, I really do hope it, because if if Ron Rivera coaches all 16 games, that means something is going right with the treatments. So I hope that he does coach all 16 games. It just seems unrealistic at this point, but I don't think he should just be shunned from all football activity, and, and I don't think that he would ever allow that sort of thing to happen. I do think we have to take into some consideration, while this might be difficult on him, I do think that him as a guy that lives, breathes, and loves the game of football, I do think him being around the team on a consistent basis does help him in the recovery process in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if there's any sort of real science to back that up. I don't care if there's any form of real science to back that up. I do believe that Ron Rivera being around the team, being around the game that he loves, plays a very positive impact on his recovery process. So in the event that he does stop coaching for a brief period of time or he's not with the team on Sundays or things of that nature, I still do hope that he is around the team. Because in 2020, after we have dealt with months and months and months of being on lockdown, some of us are still technically on lockdown depending on where you are in the country, I don't think the best thing for Ron Rivera is to just go sit at home while dealing with cancer treatment. I do think that him being active and being around the team is something that is going to help him in that recovery process, even if that means not coaching every single Sunday. That's just my two cents on this. Uh, I Again, it's up to him. He should be the, the one that has the final say here. I don't think that anyone should dictate whether or not he, he stays on the sidelines other than him and his family. I just wanted to throw that out there. Obviously, of course, we're standing with Ron Rivera. I thought it was really cool that they had all the cardboard cutouts uh, that were helping. I'm sure, I mean, I I know for a fact they brought a smile to his face. So that was cool. Loved that aspect of it. Uh, Just wanted to get that out there in regards to the Ron Rivera situation. All right, that's going to wrap this podcast up. This went way longer than it was supposed to. But, hey, we had a lot of things to discuss, and I want to know your thoughts on it. At Denton underscore Day on Twitter, let me know your thoughts on everything that we saw this Sunday, what is next for the team, what did you think of Dwayne's performance, all that stuff, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. And with that, I'll see you in a few days for uh, the next preview pod. Hopefully we get back in the win column. Who knows? I'm out. Peace.